0: Hey everybody, it's another episode of the Feminist Survival Project. I'm Emily Nagoski. And I'm Amelia Nagoski. And today we are here to talk about... Rage. 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 Um, a maligned, misunderstood emotion yeah. with which I've always had pretty good relationship, uh, and Amelia not so much. So no. the question that we get asked about rage is basically what to do with it. When you feel the rage, it's uh, like Mr. Roger says, what do you do with the mad that you feel? We will give our evidence-based and experience-based answers to that question of what you do with the rage that you feel. The reason this is so important to us is I recently led a workshop full of super high achieving women, and we were just doing the rest worksheet, which is this 24-7 calendar, seven days of a week, from all the 24 hours of the day on the calendar. And you fill it in with all the things that you are doing and uh, try to find places for adequate rest and self-care and connection with people that you care about. And a large part of people's reaction to the process of filling in the worksheet was, they said, rage. They were furious at the cultural pressure that had been put on them to include all of these things on their calendar that were not energizing, that did not make them feel awesome, that weren't actually priorities, except insofar as it met other people's expectations. So they were confronting the abyss, which, like we said, rage is one of the primary experiences people have in response to the abyss. And that was the moment when I was like, oh, a key difference in the way we talk about wellness is that we don't ignore the fact that the path to peace is through rage. You've got to process all the rage and despair you feel when you confront the reality that you have spent decades of your life being lied to and behaving as if those lies were true, which is like, that's, that's normal. You're gonna be angry and frustrated and grieving about that reality. Um, And it's a process that you move through more than once. It's an inevitable part. Feelings are tunnels. You have to go all the way through them to get to the light at the end. That's actually going to be the answer in the end is you go through the tunnel to get to the light. And every time you get yourself into the tunnel, you keep going through until you get to the light. Right. And I think it's important that we talk about, particularly in this episode, that the light at the end of the tunnel is not the final destination. You're not going to be like, oh, and now I'm in the light and I will stay in the light for the rest of my life. You go out into the light and take a breath and then back into the tunnel again. And that is not a problem. It's not a failure. It's just true. It's a cycle. Yeah. it is, And that's the beautiful thing about being in the tunnel is that you know as long as you keep going, as long as you allow your body to go through the process, you are going to get to the light at the end. And you're going to spend some time in that light. Yeah, And sometimes the tunnel is deeper and darker than others. Sometimes you never lose sight of the light. And then other times, you dissolve into the darkness. You say the path to peace is through rage, and that's true, but your path to peace is not a path to a destination. Where you're going to stay. Getting to peace is like being on the launch pad. Because you got rid of the rage and you moved through all of that, now you're in a place where you can go to another thing. It makes you available for more stuff. You go to the next, it's like leveling up. Yeah, exactly. You're leveling up. And now like you have the strength you need to get to the next thing that you have to do. There's going to be rage there too. There's going to be rage there too. And there's going to be grief and there's going to be joy. But unless you get out of the rage, you can't get to the peace that allows you access to everything else. So Amelia and I have very different relationships with rage. And Amelia, I think, has a more typical story.
1: Yeah, Rage
0: is a feeling that women are not granted access to. Culturally, nope. we're not allowed to be mad. We have to manage our emotions so yeah. that we don't make other people uncomfortable. Yeah. Insert human giver syndrome here. Our job is to be pretty, happy, calm, generous, and attentive to the needs of others. And if we dare to be frustrated even, much less angry or enraged, then we're making other people uncomfortable with our business feels, and that's not okay. No, other people's comfort is much more important than our actual real feelings. And we know from the very first episode and the second episode, separating the stress from the stressor and completing the cycle, rage is a stress response cycle. It is the fight of fight or flight. So the answer is, when the fight response gets activated, what you do is complete the cycle, regardless of what activated that stress response. Find some outlet for the fight, for getting that out of your body and moving your body through the sensation of, ah, into a sensation of, ah. So even though the answer is the same, because rage is so culturally punished, it is so not permitted, people feel some ways about the rage that they feel. and find it more difficult to apply this idea of separating the stress from the stressor and completing the cycle for this specific emotion. So can you begin when you first recognized you had rage? It was when I got out of the hospital (laughs) 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 and I was like so sick that I had to find out what was going on. So here I was backed into a corner and I, how am I going to get out? I read a bunch of stuff and then I was like rage. I discovered it in the reading and I was surprised. I would not have told you. Oh yes, I have rage. I didn't even think that rage was really real. I thought it was like a movie thing, like a you use it as action heroes experience rage and villains experience rage. And it was really only like a like an imaginary thing. Like if it happens, it's a mental illness. Yeah. Oh, if people if you think you're in rage, that's because you're like you're performing rage. I didn't think rage actually was internal. I don't know. I didn't get it. I thought it was I was so out of touch. So out of touch. So we talked in the last episode ish. I thought I my rage fridge that right. I I have to confront. Bigots, when I see bigotry in action, I have to say something because I no longer have the capacity not to. Because when I feel the rage, I used to be able to just like, I didn't just have a rage fridge in the past. You were a rage fridge. I like I had a basement full of rage Like in boxes and in refrigerators. Like one of those creepy walk-in freezers with like carcasses in it. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I, yes. Uh, Yes. And an attic full of rage. And I do think that if we're looking at. You were a rage hoarder. 100%. If we're looking at the house as a metaphor of the self like Jung does, like places in your mind versus places in your literal bowels and places in your feet. There's this generalization you can make that when you have a dream, for example, if you dream about things in the basement, it's something like lower in your body. So if this kind of symbolism works for you, great. Because it turns out actually things like rage and all these other repressed emotions end up in specific places in your body. For me, especially in the stage where I was hospitalized, it was in my lower back. I would throw my lower back out. I wouldn't be able to walk for several days. And that was very specifically rage. And there are other things like there's, you know, some fear in my knees and I have grief in my shoulders. And it goes to very specific places. So the idea that the that the rage is in the basement was very real. And I want to insert a little science here in case that sounds a little too. uh, Dippy, woo woo. Believe me. Oh, my God. If I had heard someone say that to this is Amelia again. If I had heard someone say that to me before I was in the hospital, I would have been like whatever. It's such, okay, it's a metaphor or something. I would not have believed it. And now, oh my God, it's so literally true. When we talk about Amelia carrying rage in her body, what we're talking about is her carrying incomplete stress response cycles in her body so that everything is inflamed. Physiologically, her digestive system is slowed down. Her reproductive system is slowed down. Her immune system is doing bananas crap in her body. And that is So her entire body chemistry is out of whack, which leaves her prone, first of all, to interpreting every sense. So her brain is going to receive every sensation as if it's a potential threat, as if it's a danger. So pain is going to be everywhere in her body. And also there's literal damage being done to her organs Mm -hmm. by the fact that she's sustaining Mm -hmm. this state Mm -hmm. of activation of the stress response. Mm -hmm. So we don't mean in this area like you carry feelings in your body like like it's <laughs> we mean no seriously your like chemistry is different in your body yes yeah. yes and i think i think that the way that there are areas of your brain that seem to be related to certain kinds of approaches to thinking like your cognitive stuff is up front and then the like sort of fear and joy and the kind of mammalian and lizard feelings are like in a different part of your brain There's a kind of locality to the way we understand the world. And there are actually connections to certain parts of your brain and certain parts of your body. And I think people haven't studied this. This is not science now, but there is a kind of locality to how we feel feelings and process the world. Vinyasa yoga practitioners definitely are like, in your hips, you carry this in your forearms, you carry this kind of stress, you're going to notice this being released. Right. So this is the idea behind acupressure, for example, which is part of the Chinese medicine practice that my Tai Chi practice is part of, where if you massage someone's feet, there are very specific places on the foot that connect to certain organs in your body. There's a theory that those nerve endings by the foot are also part of a nerve system that goes past that organ and up to the brain, like maybe there's a physical connection this is all very new. But that's the idea behind it. So your first step was being so inflamed that your body shut down and you thought you were gonna die. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I gave you some science and you were like, Oh, the science says rage. Yeah. The science, science says, says rage. That was shocking. To How me. did you feel about it? I was shocked. I was I collapsed in a puddle on the floor. Literally just. That like, was the point that the you floor. called me and you were like, like, What <laughs> <You didn't- laughs> Be true that, yeah, and I was like, How could you not? Yeah, because like my job as a conductor is to express emotion with my body, so like, where did I think the emotion was coming from? And if it's in my body, like, I had kind of accepted that there's emotion in my body when I conduct, but like, why wouldn't it be there the rest of my life? Well, you know, why I didn't think it was there the rest of my life because Jesus Christ, that would be so much rage. (laughs) Oh my god, if I have rage in my body that I've never noticed before, that means all the rage. Ever, like from my childhood, from the way those jerky bitch, you know, f- popular girls talk to me, to like the times when I had to sh- shut up and keep quiet and like family situations, to, to like all my jobs that I'd ever had, where <laughs> I had to like be polite to a boss. Oh my God, all of that rage is in my Oh my God, no wonder I ended up in the hospital. It was a fucking miracle. I wasn't actually dead. So yeah. Then I started working to like scrape the rage out. I would do visualizations where I'd picture, I'd just be like, go into my mind. And my mind would show me the inside of a grill with like char and grease. And I would just physically scrape it out. So you're not physically scraping it out. What are you doing? I'm imagining. So mentally you're visualizing scraping the char off the grill. Yeah. And And how do you feel physically in that moment that you're imagining that? I get lighter. Physically I actually feel more open and light in and, the process? In the process of it I can feel it. Yes. You don't like sit there with your eyes closed sobbing sometimes. Sometimes, Yeah, sometimes. But like at the same time I like always I'm, do. But it isn't like a an unpleasant kind of sobbing. It's just like a I'm crying cuz it's just part of the it's part of the it's tunnel. It's just a release. It's yeah, it's just a release. It's not like a, I'm uh, yeah. It it feels like okay kinds of crying, so it does not like yeah. It doesn't I, feel painful. I don't do I don't it. understand what not okay kinds of crying is because I'm <laughs> apparently a freak. <laughs> but for like this is a, a time when crying doesn't feel unnatural or like it's something you shouldn't be doing. You no, just... it feels like it's a purgation. Yeah. So the the imaginative process of scraping off the grill yeah. is connected to the physical process of the crying oh. and it's cleansing. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Hey, do you wanna do you wanna go into do you wanna talk about poop? Yeah. I want to talk about poop. (laughs) It's we kept it in our book because we know that it's a real thing. It's a real thing. If you're you're listening and eating, like maybe put in the fridge for a second or like fast forward a little bit. Um but like just a little warning, we're gonna talk about poop, because let's do it. Emily, I do not like it when Emily uses the Simile that your emotional systems are like your digestive system. That if you stop it halfway through, bad things happen. I don't. I don't. It feels like icky, and I don't think that people want to hear that. But so, like, since we've given you a warning and made a little space, let's talk about that. Because there's a reason we use that as an analogy. It's not just an analogy. It's also also literally, also literally true. true. And we have heard a lot of stories from a lot of women. So many from stories. Multiple different nations. Yeah about poop because we talk about it. Yeah. About the ways their digestion Immediately gets, reflects their state of mind. Yeah. In like a broad, large scale way. Not how you feel right now, but how you're feeling this season. Yeah. So like last December, yeah we had finished right. yes, yes. writing Burnout. Uh-huh. And I was taking the month of December off, and my body decided that it wanted me dead. <laughs> And I spent the entire month um, constipated and yeah. taking laxatives, yeah. stool softeners, yeah. um, and with intense abdominal pain literally yeah. every day. Yeah. Not like you had.
1: No, no, no. But no. my body Not was clearly like going yeah, through something acute.
0: right? and needed me to turn toward it with kindness and compassion and also leafy green vegetables. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Water. Yeah, and water. And that, like, what I learned in that month is that I am designed to digest leafy green vegetables and water, and everything else is basically just a topping for the leafy green vegetables (laughs) and the water. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, like, that's what my body needed in order for it to get rebalanced from all the stressors I had put it through in 2018. The story we use in the book, our composite character, Julie. Is a composite character so like lots of things about her situation are true but just not for all the same person um so what she goes through is she here comes some gross words so like take a big breath here we go julie experiences a fecal impaction oh Oh, yeah, yeah yeah so we talk about how in your fight or flight response your digestive system shuts down if your digestive system stays shut down for too long you're not passing material through your intestines your colon is like no thank you and stops and you know what happens then like poop stays in your body and builds up into a large lump obstruction possibly lump very likely and so the story we tell in the book where she has to go to the emergency room and it's manually manually digitally yep scooped out is a real thing That's that really thing. happens it is an extreme end of constipation, like a vast And yeah, we number. know multiple people to whom it has happened because we've started telling this story, and people are like, "Oh, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, I had that." Ba- well, it also um, happens in pregnant women a lot. There's a lot of pressure on the yeah. intestines, like that's a, may or may not be emotionally induced, but like if you're if you don't have any other risk factors. I mean, intense stress is actually one of the risk factors, <laughs> like going through a divorce or moving, which are the things that are going through in Julie's life, in the book, in the book, yeah. Yeah. So people talk about oh she's anal retentive or like you no know, but yeah. Yeah, no but yeah. Yeah. Like that's a real that's real stuff. Okay. And ev that's an extreme example, but everybody has had spells of diarrhea or constipation for no particular food based reason or there's no obvious like there's external no cause. Co- yeah. Um but it's it's emotions. Your stress response is activated in your body, which is throwing your digestive system out of whack. Yeah. And it needs some time and some loving attention in order so, to like, get back into you whack. You can eat all the leafy greens and all the water in the world. But if you're still in fight or flight, your digestive system is not going yeah. to to help you out. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Let's talk about poop, baby. <laughs> Let's talk goo.
0: Yeah. So bet you weren't expecting that when you clicked on the Rage episode, but it turns out it shows up in an enormous number of women, which is why we found it important to talk about. Yeah. IBS is overwhelmingly a problem for women. Irritable bowel syndrome. And it I mean, like, the you know what the medical intervention is for IBS? Keep a food journal. Keep a food journal. Find out what foods correlate to when you experience a flare-up, and then you can infer causation from that, which is so not scientific that even I, the musician, I'm sort of angry about it. But let's talk about the ways that like maybe uh, keeping not just a food journal, but like an emotion journal. Like what has happened that you're experiencing in your feelings when you experience a flare up? And I want to mention here that this is the point at which people are either going, yes, the mind and the body are so closely connected. the mind-body
1: relationship. Or
0: they're saying, uh, you can go fuck yourself that's because just, you're saying that my disease is in my head, that yeah. my pain is in my head, yeah, it's that my problem in is head. in my head. No, yeah. the thing is, we talk about the mind body connection. That's no, it's not that there's a mind and a body and a connection. It's that no. you, you are one thing. You yeah, are an yeah. embodied mind. Yeah. Your emotions live in your body. Yeah. I think rage is one of them. Dan Siegel's definition of the mind is that it's the embodied and relational process that regulates energy and information flow, your mind, your yourself, your identity is not just within your skin, it's also very much influenced by and is your interaction with your environment. Your mind is your interaction with your environment. Did you get that? He has a PhD and works at Harvard, so you can definitely take him seriously. He's written a lot of really, really wonderful books that we have found helpful in our process of understanding what's going on in the brain and body. What are you talking about? Let me write this down. It's Dan, Dan Siegel. Siegel. We'll put links in the thing. Links in the show notes. He does work with um, Jack Kornfield, Yeah, Jack Hornfield. who is all about the mind-body connection. Another medical professional who... Treats, you know, a lot of things, but approaches it through, like, hey, meditation's gonna help you with this medical problem. Turns out it's not hippy dippy, woo woo, ya ya thing. It turns out it's literally physiologically true because emotions are cycles that happen in your body, and things that happen in your body change the way your body feels. So when you experience rage, this is our how to, right? You notice that it is happening first of all, you have to acknowledge that it's a real thing and you might have to learn how to notice. I did. It took okay. Me, how'd you do it? I, it just took practice. It was a mindfulness practice, really, of like paying attention and remembering in the moment to turn toward my actual physical body and seeing how it feels. I was one of those people who would work so long and forget to pee, and then all of a sudden realize, like, I need to pee, like, immediately. Like, I would just forget and not notice. So I had to learn how to notice, which is just, it takes practice. So how do you begin practicing? Well, you could just notice how you feel right now. So you just sort of drop into noticing how you feel right now for 10 seconds, once an hour? That's way too much. No, no. I would do it, like, in the car or when I'm brushing my teeth. Or like in a regular thing. My therapist had me start with when I'm brushing my teeth, pay attention to just brushing my teeth, um, which is a very common thing. John Kabat-Zinn talks about that. Yeah. Yeah. But once, the thing is that once you start, anytime you, like, if you just turn right now and pay attention to how your body feels right now, now you've learned that skill and you can do that. You just have to remember to do it again sometime later. You can remind yourself, set a timer on your phone or whatever. But once you've, started doing that, it's nice. And it opens up your capacity to do more. So none of this is really about, like, this is your solution and here's how you're going to win. It's once you've learned that one thing, you do it once and you see, oh, that's really good. I want to do some more of that. Or, oh, that's really bad. I better do some more of that. Like, either way. (laughs) So uh, this is the part where I'm going to insert the story of a former student of mine. I was traveling all over. And this woman who had been my student came to a public event and we went out for drinks after and she told me this story. She was like, Emily, you were always like, mindfulness, mindfulness, mindfulness. It's good for you. Try mindfulness. And I finally did. I tried mindfulness. And I like dropped my attention down in a neutral way into my body. And it was terrible down there. And I was like, (laughs) I'm not going to. Why would I want to spend (laughs) time paying attention to that? It is terrible there. So she kept, like, every now and then, she'd periodically try mindfulness, turning toward her internal experience with kindness and compassion. And inside her body, it was just sirens and flashing red lights and wee-oo, (laughs) wee-oo. And uh, so it's no surprise that she didn't want to. And she finally had the idea that, hey, maybe this isn't actually normal. (laughs) So she went to a doctor. And she got diagnosed immediately, which is very rare, with fibromyalgia. She had been in intense physical pain for years and just not let herself pay attention to it. Yeah, Her body was screaming for pain. And every time she heard that cry, she was like fingers in her ears. Lala, I have work to do. I'm strong enough to get through this. It's going to be fine. Nothing is wrong. Yeah. And that and that perspective is rewarded over and over again. If you, oh yeah. If you ignore your pain and you're a strong woman, you pain is weakness. Leaving the body, like recognizing, fuck you. Yeah, that's that's all of that is wrong because it maybe it'll get you through to a certain point. That hardness to to suffering, it'll get you so far, but then you're just gonna crack and break open, and then you'll be done, and you won't be able to be of any use to anybody else for the rest of your life. Um, so if you want to stay participate painting turn toward the pain and like feel the suffering and get help do whatever needs to happen to go um, through it to so that you can get, so you to, you can the get end to the of launch pad it. to go to the next level so what do you do with the mad that you feel um i do lots of things i have to do lots of things if I just do one thing, that's not enough. I have so much rage. You've <laughs> got a backlog. I've got a backlog that I'm still dealing with the first 30 years of rage. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not done with that. Like, not even close. So the the new rage that I get, like I also immediately deal with it it right right away. uh, Right away, I go to therapy and I talk it through. Um, I write a song about it. I uh do yoga with Jessamine, Um, Jessamine Stanley, Underbelly Yoga. This is an app, a ten dollar a month app that we both subscribe to. Yeah, and it's a great way. She's so real about the yoga and how it feels and like what comes out of your body, just like. Yeah, okay. So I do yoga with Jessamine. I also go horseback riding. I love that. It is so effective for me because it's everything at the same time. It is mindfulness. It is turning toward my body. It's recognizing that my body has stuff in it and that that stuff influences the people around me Like because this horse knows what i'm feeling and either is like a funny weirdo about it like he'll just stop if i'm i'm kicking him and he just stops because like something in me doesn't really want to go and that's what he responds to rather than my like kicky kicky feet feet kick 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 and he's like girl no your ass says stop and I'm like, yeah, my ass does. say Stop. And then I feel like find out what my ass is saying and why it's saying it. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's my seat technically in horseback riding. It's it's your seat. So you write a song. You go to your therapy. You horseback ride. You yoga. Yoga. Anything else? Um. Um. On the day after the election in 2016, you built oh, yeah. a sidewalk. I did. Yeah, I. You built a walkway. We had just moved into a house, and. Uh, I went outside and I dug a a trench like a like a two inch deep one foot wide twelve foot long trench, and I filled it with a pile of gravel that we had sitting what was waiting for this purpose and then I laid walking stones on top. it took about an hour and fifteen minutes, and I just worked until my muscles burned until my breath was like really heavy and i and i I completed a task. I made a thing. And that kind of, look, I made it, I, I accomplished something. I can't I'm not control helpless. everything, but you did I, this. I did that. And what it took to do it was this like heavy labor that was very exhausting. So I, I did, so I kind of like purged that particular cycle, but that's also the week that I, I had not been in therapy since I moved. So I found a new therapist That week, week. yeah. And she said that I was part of a flood of new clients she was getting. All women. So what do you do, Emily? With the the mad that I feel? What do you do? Mm -hmm. That's not how the song goes. Yeah, I forget how it goes. What do you do with the mad that you feel? A lot of things. Crying is really important for me as a way to release it from my body. The yoga also works extremely well. Okay, I take crying so much for granted that I didn't even think of it as a thing that I do. Yeah, it's a first line of defense. Yeah, Yeah, no, after Trump was elected, I cried every day. Every day. Not because I was particularly sad or grieving about a particular thing, but it was just a lot of feelings and it's very effective just to get it all out. Yeah. Every day between the election and the inauguration, every day. Yeah. Uh, So crying is a first line of defense. The yoga is really good. I have to be careful with it after all the years of dance lessons that we took. And I took even more years of dance lessons than you did. Yeah. I get really performance focused about, like, you know, finding the bind and like stretching, getting my head to the floor, my hands to the floor. So, one of the reasons I like Jessamine's app so much is she's super not focused on performance no. and is stays focused on just like noticing what it feels like, getting juice and heat moving through your body and not having it be about like achieving the perfect posture which isn't even possible for people with different body configurations. So the yoga is helpful if I do it in that way. Physical activity uh, is good. I will, when I'm in like a deep rage state, like when... um, on the day after the inauguration, the first thing that this administration did was reinstate an even more draconian version of the global gag rule.
1: Yeah.
0: And that story got lost under all the bullshit about the size of the crowd. Right. And I was mad, first of all, about the, the uh, policy itself. Yeah. And yeah. I was even more enraged that people were distracted, were fooled yeah. by the distraction. Yeah. And didn't notice that women's lives globally were put on the line. Yeah. So that's a, and like, what? What I do for a living is promote women's health, so it's like an existential rage that I was feeling, and I got, I had this, uh, I, I like exercised, but I. Cried like sobby cry while I exercise, so I can't work out really hard because yeah. I can't breathe enough to mm-hmm. work out really hard. So I work out sort of lightly. Imagine me on an elliptical machine, sort of yeah. slowly yeah. on yeah. an elliptical machine, Absolutely. like with my head hanging down, yeah. dripping both sweat and tears yes. from my face. Yes, so that's that's yes. me purging rage. It yeah. is. It's not pretty. No, it's not fun. No, it doesn't. Does it feel good? I think it feels good the way the pooping feels good. Yeah. I mean, it feels neutral to me. It's satisfying. It feels like that is the way it should be. Yeah. It didn't it didn't at first for me. I was like, this cannot be right. No. But now I'm like, oh yeah, now it's now I'm like this is So talk about the this can't be right feeling because I think that's common for a lot of people and I've never had it. Oh. Well, you get overwhelmed with like whatever and you just like burst into uncontrollable tears and the crying and you cannot stop it yeah and you're like well first of all you've been told your whole life don't cry honey no no don't cry also don't cry out loud and all that stuff you've learned that crying is wrong and bad and shameful so it can't be correct that you're dealing with your feelings the correct way if it makes you cry so like you've learned over and over again crying is wrong this is incorrect And but as you do it anyway, because you're like, I don't know, these people told me that crying is supposed to be good for me. So I guess I'll try. And then you try. And then as you just kind of let yourself do it, you learn that this is the new normal, that this is, in fact, all those cultural messages were wrong. All those cultural messages were toxic to you, had been coming between you and your well-being. And then you feel mad about that. And then you cry some more and you're like, this is so useful. And the most important thing, I think, is learning how to let the brake off. Trust your body to do what it yeah. needs to do. Yeah. Not judge it because the judging just slows you down. It yeah. hits the brakes. Like, you have to go through the tunnel. If you go through it with the brakes on, judging it and criticizing it and yeah. feeling ashamed of it. You're not going to get through it. You're still going mean, to be in it. You and in mind, and you're going to try to launch It'll there. just yeah. give you more crap to feel. I When I very first started, I had no finesse with the brake pedal. It was either (laughs) gas or brake or gas or brake. So I would become flooded and overwhelmed. And like, I didn't want to do that because I had, I couldn't go back to being like a normal person for like 20 minutes and it wasn't convenient. And it was like, I don't, I literally don't have time for this. I literally don't have time for this. If I start, I'm not going to have time to get to the end. Right. So. Right. and. first started on the podium i'd be like okay i'm gonna conduct and i have feelings and like i would just sob this happened in conducting class a couple of times but like everybody cries in conducting class because it's a conservatory and we all cry and that's just part of the deal um so it wasn't weird at that place but i did have to learn like how to open the aperture of feelings just enough So that it wouldn't turn into a flood. But the thing is, because I had this rage attic and this rage basement, as soon as I opened the aperture, like, the flood came. So I had to kind of clean out my attic and my basement so that I could open the aperture just slightly and it wouldn't be a flood. I could just, like, be like, hey, hey, I'd like some grief right now. Because when people are beginners at rage, it is important to Clear not the backlog and to yeah. like be careful yes. and not let themselves get swamped and overwhelmed by it so that they can't cope yes. with their life and they end up get like sucked into the vortex of like you end up not just looking at the abyss and recognizing it, but like lost in down in it. it and in need of medical attention. Yes. Like that's the real thing that happens. Yes, is I, I went especially back on, when people are trauma survivors, which I, you are. Yeah, I also um, started antidepressants for the first time when I was at that conservatory doing that work. <laughs> I was I noticed that you might be depressed. I was drinking and crying and like drinking and crying and that's, have how an I was, alcohol episode. that's how i was coping and so i went to the, the the counselor on campus and he was like well have you been on antidepressants before and i was like no i don't really like the idea of being on medication and he was like <laughs> you prefer drinking and crying i was like that's a valid point <laughs> so medication for me <sighs> so i feel like this should be two episodes this is too much well, I mean, what actual, what points have we made so far? Rage is real. Rage is real. It you happens in your body. You had to have a reckoning where so your body tried point, to kill you. At some point, if you don't recognize that rage is real and allow yourself to move through the cycle, then you're going to build up the rage in your rage attic and your rage basement and the, those it's going to sit there in your body and destroy something like an organ. Right. And we want people to be able to deal with rage the same way they deal with every other emotion, which is to separate the stress from the stressor and complete the stress response cycle. And the reason that's difficult- In a place that's safe. Right. In a place that's safe. And it's difficult for people with rage specifically because of all the cultural noise that has been planted in our heads about the rage. So how we feel about the rage is different from how we feel about stress or- Grief or right. broken hearts. Yeah, and I feel like there's a lot of conversation going on, like Rage Becomes Her and all those types of books. Good We're talking mad. about, like, telling women, yes, your rage is okay. You haven't been given permission until now. Here's your permission, and then, and then what? Like, and then what? And and then you know what do you do with stay all that mad rage? all the time? Because no. you can't, you like physically, that's you not literally good for you. can't you're not meant to do that. Stay mad. You can stay connected to the ideas that are stressing you out that are activating the rage. And when you experience the rage, you have to move through it so that you can get to a place of peace and balance and strength and health. Okay, so going back to our steps: Step one was rage is real. Two was separate the stress from the stressor. Yep. Three is complete the cycle. Go through the tunnel. Right. Four is don't expect yourself to get to peace and be done forever. Forever. Like now I have achieved peace and I'll never experience rage again. Assume that rage is a cycle and you're going to You're going to, you're going to, it's going to be every day. Yeah. I mean, literally every day. Many people are going to have a backlog also of like rage refrigerators of different scales in your bodies. Yeah. And the reason that's the case is because how we've been taught to feel about rage is different from how we've talked about feel about our other feelings. feelings, Specifically how women are. Yeah. Specifically women, human giver syndrome. Yeah. Rage is the least human giver emotion. Yeah. That's really a lot. But I mean, they're obviously all connected. I mean, it's it's the rage story. This is, yeah, this is the rage story. How practical is it to just be like, hey, P.S., you have rage. I mean, the Abyss episode was basically like, P.S., you have an abyss. The key is to just know that that's true and turn toward it with kindness and compassion. Yeah. Basically, the moral of the story of every single episode is turn toward your internal experience with kindness yes, and compassion. Exactly. It's harder Despite to do. Despite the fact that the world is telling you that your rage doesn't deserve compassion, your rage doesn't deserve kindness, your rage is forbidden and yeah. bad, and it makes you bad. And fighting that cultural narrative is mm, yeah. Hard, so if you manage day. to get as far as noticing that your rage is real, you're already ahead of the game. Yeah, because the thing is, once you know that it's real, And once you recognize when it's happening, then that opens a door to all this other stuff. And not right away. It's a, for me, it was a multi-year process of like (laughs) academic reading (laughs) in addition to like practicing Tai Chi and practicing yoga and yeah. But once you notice and once you know that it's real and once you understand that, oh, it's normal for me to feel rage and it's fine. And I don't have to like hide it. What I do is I turn toward it. Then automatically what's going to happen is you're going to be drawn through a journey, a journey with your rage. And just to normalize the variety of experiences people have with rage, I have had the explicit experience since I was in high school of intentionally Deliberately settling down for some animal noises type sobbing (laughs) in order to like release feelings from my body, whether or not a situation had been resolved. So I was already separating the stress from the stressor and like releasing the emotion through what my body was demanding from me. Yeah. And the point at which it got difficult for me was when I started being in relationships And human giver syndrome kicked in with me and my relationship and applying the script of it's my job to meet everyone else's needs. And if the relationship fails, it's because I have failed in some way. And I had feelings about that, but those feelings didn't feel separate from the stressor. Like I had to solve the problem so that I could release the feelings and the way I re- healed from that first destructive relationship was applying the same skill I already had of separating the stress from the stressor and going through the tunnel to the feelings I had in the context of a relationship. Oh. That was a new and difficult experience. Oh. That was also the relationship where. It was a long-distance relationship. I was 18. He was 26. Oh. Yeah. Um, and uh, later became my stalker. So nice. fun. Yeah. Really bad. Extremely bad. Uh, yeah. I went to visit him where he lived, and that was awful. I took the bus back to where we lived at college, and I was alone in the house, like, like, animal noise sobbing and i was just like so physically tired from the demand of these emotions on my body i turned on the tv and everything just quieted yeah, down like i just yeah. numbed out really profoundly yeah. and then i turned the tv off and the animal noises sobbing came back yeah and i turned on the tv yeah and it all went silent so that yeah. was my first experience with pain management yeah around emotions we're yeah. gonna have okay Chronic. just to give you a framework Healing emotional pain has three targets of intervention. One is to get rid of the actual cause of the pain. So if there's a knife in your body, let's take the knife out. That's one. Uh, a second is to heal the wound, which is the process of your immune system interacting with whatever medical structures there are on the outside or inside of your body in order to make the wound heal. And the third is pain management, numbing the pain enough for your body to be able to cope with the healing process so that you can live your life while your body is healing. So we talk about all three of those things, but especially those second two things. What are the things you can do to heal? What are the things you can do to numb the pain? And this episode has been about what are the things you do actually to heal the emotional pain of holding rage in your body, which is separate from the process of dealing with the knife that got stabbed into you that caused the rage to activate in the first place. And if there's a moral of the story for us, I think it must be that the piece that's been missing in the conversation in all these books is that the process of dealing, dealing. with the knife right. is separate from the process of yes. healing the wound in your body. Right. That's why we had to write a whole separate book different from all those other books I read. Yeah. Yeah. The reason no no other individual book helped me is because none of the other ones put those two together. So we had to talk our way. Like We knew this was an important episode to do. Yeah. And it took us 40 minutes. Sorry. To figure out. <laughs> why it is like why it was so important that we say the thing we have to say which is that rage is normal and the way you deal with it is not by dealing with the knife in fact you can continue to heal even when there's still somebody out there with a knife which there and you have to there always is, is. There, always there always is. will be yes. and it, our goal is to make sure the knives of future generations are smaller and smaller and smaller yeah and that means we have to risk ourselves to yes. the knife in order to, you know, alleviate the future suffering. And we also want to teach future generations more and more healing skills, more yeah. skills than we had yeah. coming into adulthood. Yeah. Thing one, rage is real and it's fine. So let's uh do you want to play the rage song and deliberately leave mm-hmm. your ukulele out of tune because that's appropriate to the experience? <laughs> yeah, Stylistically, right. hold on, I need to move my sweatshirt. Okay. Go for it. Every morning. Oh god. The sun is it that attitude? No, it's good, it's good. Every morning <laughs> But if even I can hear it The sun rises
1: and every evening the sun goes down and every day the cycle continues. again just like my wrist <laughs> Just like my rage, just like my rage, my normal rage.
0: Feminist Survival Podcast. If any of it was written, not much of it was. It was by us. I'm Emily Nagoski. I'm Amelia Nagoski. And uh, if any of this was produced, it was produced by my marital euphemism and music, of course, by Amelia. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can follow along with us on Instagram or Twitter at FSP2020. Email us at feminist survival project 2020 at gmail.com. Which kind of relationship with rage do you have? Is it like mine? This is Emily. Where you like have always known and you could like animal cry or exercise and work it out? Or like me, where you've had a rage attic. Do you still have a rage attic or a rage basement? Or are you working on cleaning it out? Or are you somewhere in between? Because God knows we're two extremes. Yeah, I think and so. And th- probably almost everybody is somewhere, somewhere in between. Middle. Yeah, yeah. If you find anything helpful, please uh, share and rate us on whatever platform you use to find us. And thanks for listening. You prefer drinking and crying? I was like, that's a valid point. (laughs) So medication for me.